You're listening to the ESPN Radio 94.1 podcast page, accelerated by Sports Innovation X. Six is bridging the gap between tech, athletes, and teams. Check them out at sportsinnovationx.com. Hampton Roads has a long-running high school and college sports tradition. It's time to give them the spotlight they deserve. This is 757 Saturday Sports Talk on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Here are Matt Hatfield and Coach Ed Young. Good Saturday morning to all of you out there. A busy jam-packed show on this 15th day of April, the year 2023. A lot happening here. It is 757 Saturday Sports Talk, powered each and every week by Larry King Law. If you're injured in an accident, you know who to call at 757-I-N-J-U-R-E-D. For Larry King, I am Matt Hatfield. Got the coach Ed Young with us along for the ride as well. A.J. Risser, other side of the glass. And my cohort, the coach Ed Young, is wearing his New York Yankees shirt in honor of the fourth place AL East Yanks, Bronx Bombers. It's too bad your team can't be in first place like my Diamondbacks. Isn't that such a shame? I would give the Diamondbacks right now. I wish the Diamondbacks were 22-0. and The Rays are 13-1. They'll finish fourth place for sure. For sure? Or third. Is that a third. Charles Barkley guarantee? Third. It'll be Toronto, Yankees, and Rays in that order. Wow. Bet it. Lock it down. Parlay it. AJ's whatever you want Orioles to do. and our next guest, who's a Red Sox fan, his team too. Nice job, Red Sox you. will fight the Orioles to stay out of last place. Oh my gosh! Look at you. You're Guarantee terrible. it. Write it down. Wow. Sue Sayers have already let me like know. You sound like a bitter Yankee fan this morning. No, the only thing I want to be bitter about is you know, you know, people. There's a thing on the Uh-oh. steering wheel. <laughs> here's his. Here's his road so report, AJ. On a steering wheel. It's a little lever. If you press it up, you'll you, it'll signal. Come on, you could turn right. If you press it down, a little light comes on. You just you leave left. a few minutes earlier. That's all you got to do. Okay, make sure you use it when you want to make a turn. All right. Also, there's these black and white signs called regulatory signs, speed limits. It's the maximum speed you can drive under ideal conditions. <laughs> so if it says 55. Okay, today's ideal conditions. You should be driving roughly 55. You might even be able to go 57, 58. You don't like 45, people will go 60. You don't like 45, do you? When you go 45 miles an hour in a (laughs) 55-mile zone, it is as bad as going 70 in a 55. You are a disaster that's going to happen. Either either get off the road and walk or let somebody else drive you or stay home. Take one of those three choices. I say that nicely because if I say it any other way, I will be uh, put off the air. That is the head basketball coach at Nansman River and also the health and PE driver's ed teacher, Ed Young. I am Matt Hatfield, and uh, we'll get to more on the program that does not have to do with driving, such as the PIT happening uh, later on tonight with the championship, some local sports news and nuggets, other guests. But uh, next weekend is the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame's big weekend, the Breakfast with Champions, the VIP reception, induction ceremony, all the great things and all the inductees here to tell us about all that is the executive director, a busy man this time of year, Will Driscoll, with us back on the program. Will, good to talk with you. How you been? I'm good. I don't have to give my driving credentials, do I? Because no. there may be a few speeding tickets I have Uh-oh. on my record. Yeah, Ed will get on a rant if you if you give him. If you're the guy, <laughs> if you were the guy uh, on his way here that was for, going now, 42, he'll be really mad with you. Now, Will. Hey, good morning to you, Will. Will, I already know how you drive. You're excellent at it. You use your signals. You look both <laughs> ways, and you know the understand the 18 right away rules. So you got to pass. That's right. Thank you. Good, good. Yeah, good to, good to talk to you guys today. Yeah, cranky coach here with me this morning. But let's talk about uh, what's on deck for all of you next weekend. The uh, Virginia Sports Hall of Fame It has the Breakfast with Champions, the VIP reception. It's going to be all located, I believe, at the Weston Hotel, Town Center, Virginia Beach. Next Saturday night is the induction ceremony. Tell the folks all that goes into it and if tickets are still available, how they can get them. 
So the, the, the good problem that we have is that tickets are no longer available. We did reach oh, capacity at the end of the week. But, but uh, that being said, it, there's still a, a ton of ways that you can support. Follow us on social media. Celebrate the inductees. If you see one of the inductees, you know, congratulate them. This is a huge honor for them. But, yeah, it's a, like you said, busy time of year, but it's a good busy. You know, we love doing this. And this is our 50th. Can you believe it? It's our 50th wow. induction ceremony. Now, Slight caveat, because of COVID, the class of 2022 last year was technically the 50th class, Mm -hmm. but because we had to combine the classes last year because of the delay, uh, this is actually the 50th physical induction. So it's a really exciting time. The class, while on the surface it does look Hampton Roads heavy, when you really start pulling back the layers, it touches all corners of Virginia, from D'Angelo Hall and Ryan Zimmerman here to Jimmy Laycock, who's well-known because of his William & Mary ties, but not a lot of people know he's from Loudoun County. And then you have Bob Rattans, who came from Long Island to start Roanoke Lacrosse. Sheila Trice Myers, a Christopher Newport track and field legend. She's from Louisa County, up in up in uh, Central Virginia. Uh, it, it's just a it's just an amazing class, a diverse array of sports: football, basketball, track and field, lacrosse. We have Jerry Ratcliffe from media, so it's just a really exciting time. And, and it's it's one of those times of year while the stress does come from event planning and putting all the pieces of the puzzle together. It's a fun puzzle to put together. That's awesome. Now, you mentioned the uh, ceremony is sold out for next weekend. Uh, Two things on that. One, for those that can't get a ticket because they're gone, is there availability to watch perhaps the induction ceremonies later? I know you all do a lot on your social pages and your website. And then B, how about the breakfast with champions and the uh, reception? Are those things sold out or still tickets available for those opportunities? So we, we, we have no tickets left, unfortunately, okay. um, which, is, which, again, shows the support that we've started to build over the last few years, especially as we've transitioned from the museum to this more brand-based platform. Uh, we have a lot of people who are excited about it. But, yes, to answer your question, we will be doing a lot of social media throughout the weekend. All of the speeches will be available, and the entire ceremony will be available the week following the induction ceremony. And as we move forward, we are looking at ways to – to start doing, you know, more streaming and putting it out live for people who, who might not be able to attend it physically. We understand that it is important to a lot of people, and we want to be able to reach those people and provide that visibility um, to more people. So, I mean, you know, we're small nonprofit, 501c3. We have, we have limited resources, but as those resources continue to grow, we can do more. And, and that's one thing I always try to tell people. They always want me to do more, but I, always, I need more help to do more, and, and we're starting to get that help. But, yes, social media, extremely active. We're going to have a lot of content to be posting throughout the weekend. So you'll kind of be able to live vicariously through the Hall of Fame pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Talking with Will Driscoll, he's the executive director of the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame, their 50th induction weekend next weekend here in Virginia Beach, featuring the inductees like D'Angelo Hall, Jimmy Laycock, Francina McCrory, Sean Moore, Jerry Ratcliffe, Bob Rotons, Sheila Trice Myers, Ryan Zimmerman, and Joe Montgomery. It is 757 Saturday Sports Talk here on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Ed? Well, let's go back to how does the process occur to bring in Mm – athletes in terms of um is you know committee voting is there a nomination does somebody have to call for somebody in what's the process for somebody to get in absolutely it's a great question it's a question i love answering because one of the questions i get all the time is why isn't this person in? why isn't that person in and and my first my i used to have a very diplomatic response but now the response is have you nominated them you know i encourage people go to our website if you click the inductees tab On our website, it lays out our nomination process, which we do have. It is a process. The first step to that process is submitting the nomination form. 
that's the simplest step. Once you submit the form, that person is now in the conversation. But what I then tell people is, remember, you're trying to tell the story of this individual. This individual story is going to be seen before multiple committees, before the ultimate vote is taken. So we have to make sure that the story is great. We know why a lot, personally, we know why a lot of the inductees are in. But you also have to make the pitch, basically. It's, it's not quite as intense as a Shark Tank type thing, but it's still making a pitch. So, yeah, we have the nomination process. You know, in Virginia, we don't have uh, what would be classified as top-level professional sports. So, and, I, and I actually see that as a benefit to our Hall of Fame because we are really celebrating people with strong connections to Virginia, the emotional connections of a hometown hero, a college legend, and across all divisions in college, Division One, Two, and Three, the 37 NCAA programs we have. So we're really looking for people that have made significant contributions to sports in Virginia or are from Virginia. And that's one of the things that I really enjoy about our Hall of Fame is that we have those emotional connections. We don't just rely on somebody who wore our jersey for a decade and we claim them as our own. Most of our inductees are Virginians, and, and that's something that I really enjoy, especially as we go through the selection and ultimately the nominating process. Yeah, also, well, you know, when you look at, like, the professional Hall of Fames, you know, baseball, mm-hmm. football, that's, a lot of times it's based on numbers, you know, mm-hmm. baseball. If pretty much if you hit 500 home runs or you're a 3,000 hitter, 3,000 hits in your career or, you know, 300 wins, you're pretty much in. Now, with your the Hall of Fame situation here, you know, we, like you mentioned, there's not a lot of professional sport type teams in this in the state. So, is and you say it's based on a lot of times people can nominate. Would you come down to look at numbers, championships? You know, you get a kid that, let's say, a person plays high school sports in Virginia. Let's say he was pretty. Let's say a, a player was pretty good, and he goes to college in California. Goes UCLA, Southern Cal. Does great, does, goes into pro, maybe he's a football player, goes pro football, does great. So that kid has an excellent chance of being nominated and put in the Hall of Fame. Just like, um, what, let's say, a kid grows up in, uh, in California but comes to University of Virginia and has a great career at University of Virginia, just a tremendous career, like football, let's say. Now, those, both those two type of athletes would have a great chance of being in the Hall of Fame, correct? Absolutely. And, and it's funny that the first example you gave, it sounded a lot like the path that Kenny Easley took. Yes. <laughs> a great athlete went out to UCLA and then had a great career. And then the second, the second path that you gave sounds a lot like Dawn Staley. You know, Dawn Staley is from Philadelphia, but she was one of the great pillars of the great UVA women's basketball program in the 80s and into the 90s. And so she's a member of the Hall of Fame because you could not overlook the contribution that she made to one of our programs in this state. And, and like I said, when you get down into the collegiate level, you have a lot of those emotional connections. You know, a lot of people don't, don't play sports professionally, but a lot of people did go to college. And so if you did go to the University of Virginia, you're a Wahoo, you're a Cavalier. If you went to Tech, you're a Hokie. And so you share those emotional connections with with these athletes and coaches, whether you played sports or not, you still share those emotional connections because of those shared experiences. And for those that don't know, you've been on the program list before, Will, but we have some new listeners as, as time to time occurs. Uh, give the folks uh, a little bit of your background because this is what year for you taking over for Eddie Webb at the helm of the Hall of Fame. 
This is year four, and okay. this June I will have been with the Hall for six years. So I'm, I'm actually in year five. Okay. Uh, so I took over for Eddie uh, February 1st, 2019. Uh, he left me with the pandemic a year later. I won't put that on him. Right. But, uh, but, yeah, we faced some challenges. But the good news is and the thing that I'm most excited about is we navigated those challenges. We've gotten a little bit more innovative and creative with our approach. We do a lot more uh, content via social media because we understand that not everybody is based where we are. While we are based in Hampton Roads, we, I, I, I tell people all the time, we are the official Hall of Fame for the Commonwealth of Virginia, the entire state. And we need eyes and ears everywhere, because while we do have a great base of support here in Hampton Roads, and we have a lot of great athletes and coaches that come out of this area and region, same can be said for Richmond, the same can be said for Southwest Virginia, the same can be said for Northern Virginia. And we, we really want to make sure that we are doing what we can to represent all of Virginia. But yeah, it's, it's been, it's amazing how time flies because it's been almost six years that I've been with the hall and, uh, and good things are still yet to come. Uh, there's a lot of excitement around what we're doing. And, uh, and I think that we're going to have a lot of, a lot of good news here in the coming months and years. Listen, I can relate on a different front. My niece, the other night I was watching her, she's playing a Mario game and I'm like, she's almost seven years old now. I'm like, goodness, I remember when you were like a little baby, the last six years ago, basically. We're talking with uh, Virginia Sports Hall of Fame Executive Director Will Driscoll. He's got a baseball game later today. It is 757 Saturday Sports Talk here on 94.1 Priority Auto Sports Radio. I'm sure Ed will give you some uh, managerial tips here in a second before we let you sign off to go with his road travels. we got the induction class, the 50th weekend next weekend with D'Angelo Hall, Jimmy Laycock, Francina McCrory, Sean Moore, Bob Rotons, Jerry Ratcliffe, Sheila Trice Myers, Joe Montgomery, and of course Ryan Zimmerman, who got it all started right here in Virginia Beach, Kellum High, UVA, and a World Series champ with the Washington Nationals. Go check out the website, vasportshof.com. That's vasportshof.com. And what I'm interested to hear, Will, and we'll hear a lot of these folks next weekend with the ceremony and the meet and greet and all those things that go with the Hall of Fame. You also have your podcast up there on the website, and you got a chance to chat with many of these inductees. So, Ed and I, I'm sure, are curious about this. Which one? They're all going to give pretty neat speeches terrific stories they're about their backgrounds which one was maybe most fascinating in terms of telling his or her story that you got a chance to catch up with i you know it's actually an easy one it's sean moore okay um you know sean moore his story about growing up in martinsville and you know martinsville kind of gets overlooked sometimes down in that south side section a lot of people's minds go to danville when you think of kind of word association with the south side of virginia but martinsville is a, is a small town and they are i think all of martinsville is coming to virginia beach next week <laughs> and but what was interesting about sean is martin he got to martinsville high school after uh, a, the the merging of two high schools and and he was a basketball and a football player but the basketball team was historically very very good at martinsville the football team, when Sean got to Martinsville High School, the football team was okay, um, not bad, but not great. And Sean had to basically recruit a lot of the guys on the basketball team to come play football with him so they could take that next step. And so he's, he's talking about giving recruiting pitches before he's even being recruited uh, himself for college. And so it was just a really fascinating story. And the, the connections that Sean still has to his hometown in Martinsville, um, he's back in Charlottesville. He went to the University of Virginia. He works for the athletics department now, the athletic department now. And, but he still has these strong ties back to his hometown in Martinsville. And it's been really evident. You can just see through, you know, social media metrics that when we post something about Sean, 
you see the numbers go up and you start to drill down where these people are. And it's all down in the South side and Southwest Virginia, because they still have a strong connection to him as well. So I would say of all the, of all the hall calls, which is our content platform that we've done celebrating the induction, the Sean Moore one was probably the one that stood out to me the most. Pretty cool. And of course, a great career at UVA set numerous records, I think more than 40 of them in terms of school, NCAA and all those different things. And Ed remembers the great Martinsville basketball program that still exists with the legendary Husky hall on the sidelines there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, Sean, Sean actually, uh, Sean said that, well, no, Sean didn't say it. It's been on record that George Welsh, the legendary coach for the University of Virginia, said that Sean was the most important recruit in, uni- in UVA football history. So I think that goes without saying, pretty, pretty deserving of the Hall of Fame induction. Yeah, I can see that for sure. And uh, one more for let Ed finish up with you here, Will. Uh, you know, Ed brought this up earlier about, you know, the Baseball Hall of Fame, the Football Hall of Fame. In some years, as we see it a lot with Cooperstown, you don't get X amount of votes or percentage of votes. You don't get in. For your hall, correct me if I'm wrong, y'all pretty much pick a minimum of X amount of individuals each year. It's not a year where you might have one or two people, correct? Yeah, it's typically eight or nine individuals. Um, and, and one thing that I think goes overlooked, especially from a state Hall of Fame perspective, and this isn't unique to Virginia, this is all state Halls of Fame. And, and I encourage people to, again, learn about the processes because everybody wants to focus on why isn't this person in or they want to focus on the, the, the negative parts. But mm-hmm. we have to represent all sports. We have to represent all levels of sports. So these are not easy decisions. And we have a ton of nominations you know, well over 100 open nominations currently for those eight or nine spots. And we want to make sure that we're putting in the class that is deserving. And just because you don't get in on the first year doesn't mean you can't eventually get in. We have the process. We have a a time that a nomination stays open. But I always want people to remember that a state Hall of Fame does not have the benefit of focusing on just one sport. So, yeah, we typically we typically put in eight or nine people each year. um, and, And it really comes down to what the honors court decides in that final meeting. Yeah, do a really nice job of spreading the love and the wealth with a variety of sports. We see football honored, we see baseball, we see track and field, we see lacrosse, and any different year it can be basketball, soccer, you name it, and even people that are not just athletes. You've got coaches, you've got people to cover from a media perspective, a lot of people being honored there, Ed. No, you know, Will, you, you kind of hit what I was going to ask you in terms of there's so many sports you represent. It's not like the Baseball Hall of Fame, the Football Hall of Fame. You do have numerous. And, and if a person, as you said, gets nominated – but doesn't get in, that nomination still stays on the book, so to speak? Yes, exactly. So a nomination currently will stay open for a period of five years. Um, And, you know, getting back down to the unique sports, last year we had John Lugbill, who was a whitewater slalom canoeer. I mean, so in our history, we've represented 23 unique sports. And it's probably even more than that, that because we lumped track and field together as one. So last year we had Lawrence Johnson, who's a pole vaulter, but he fell under the track and field umbrella. So when you really break it down into a granular level, we're probably close to about 30 unique sports that have been represented in the history of the Hall of Fame and our 354 inductees. That's pretty remarkable. Well, it should be a fun time next week. I look forward to seeing you all and all the inductees out there, the Breakfast with Champions, the VIP reception, and, of course, the induction ceremony with the class of 2023. Again, Bob Rotons, Sheila Trice-Myers, Ryan Zimmerman, Jerry Ratcliffe, Sean Moore, Joe Montgomery, Francina McCrory, D'Angelo Hall, who starred right here at Deep Creek High School in Chesapeake before his decorated career at Virginia Tech in the NFL, of course, also with Washington as a corner, and Jimmy Laycock, the longtime coach of the tribe of William & Mary. Will Driscoll, thank you so much, my friend, and uh, have fun out there today on the uh, Diamond with the Sun. Liam, Ed, any suggestions? Does he want to bunt yeah, sack? Yeah. What do you want to do here? Oh, here we go. Will, without question, Will. Now, what age group is it again? 
It's 9-10, Kempsville Pony Baseball. Okay, simple. It's a automatic win, and I don't want no credit for oh, it. Oh, boy. Bases loaded, <laughs> uh, less than uh, two outs. Bases loaded, push Bunnett down third base, drag Bunnett if it's a lefty up first. The youngsters will have no idea. They'll pick the ball up and, and throw it to the manager. Uh, the coach. Yeah, well, they'll they'll probably just start throwing it all around the diamond. And That's what I'm know, saying. Four runs. You're going to get at least three runs. I don't know about the four, but you at least get those <laughs> in. You'll look good. So try to do that. And and if nothing else, just make sure the kids uh, swing late, hit it to the opposite field, guaranteed a double. Absolutely. We just want them swinging. <laughs> there you <laughs> we, go. We just want them swinging. Teach them so, youngsters, I, please. The bottom. Can you imagine? And I know you got to get going. Will the major leagues it has to. Uh, a band the ship because players don't know how to bunt <laughs> anymore. Mad, he was mad about Timmy, this Tim Kirchner last Timmy week. Timmy Kirchner told us that. He yeah. said the players are coming up nowadays. They don't really know how to hit opposite field. They really don't know how to bunt. we pay them $27 million a year, and they can't hit against the ship. But I, I won't want to rant. Have fun with the youngsters. Appreciate that. We don't have $27 million in our budget for our team. So we will work on the fundamentals. Now, I can at your level, that. you got to take them. I remember when I played a little league, we got to go to the local Dairy Queen when we won. Boy, that was motivation galore. Yeah, just swing for the fences like uh, the Twins did against Edge Yanks the other night. Have fun, Will, and we'll talk to you next weekend. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Will. That is Will Driscoll, Executive Director of the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame. We are overdue for a break. and we come back, we've got Jim Corgan. Longtime coach on the sidelines for ODU men, ODU women, and now a special assistant to Kenny Brooks with the Virginia Tech women. It's coming up next on 94.1. Hampton Roads has a long-running high school and college sports tradition. It's time to give them the spotlight they deserve. This is 757 Saturday Sports Talk on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Here are Matt Hatfield and Coach Ed Young. It is 757 Saturday Sports Talk, powered by Larry King Law on this 15th day of April, the year 2023, with the coach Ed Young. I am Matt Hatfield, and Ed, we got a special guest on the program, a longtime listener and a longtime friend of those around the Commonwealth, as he's been on the coaching sidelines, both men and women at Old Dominion University, also was on the sidelines at Duke, his alma mater, and now in the ACC was, if you were watching the Final Four like I was, you put on the TV, you said, that guy looks familiar. That, that's that Corgan guy. Yeah, it is that Corgan guy helping out Kenny Brooks and the ladies of Virginia Tech make the final four this year. Jim Corgan with us here on 94.1 Priority Auto Sports Radio. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? We're doing well. Uh, we're trying to keep Ed not so cranky because his Yankees have had a couple back-to-back losses, so you know he's in a foul mood. Well, you know, he should be used to that. That shouldn't be some unusual thing well exactly first of all good morning to you see this guy here is excited because it's a year where his d-backs have a great chance of winning the triple a world series first time in a while so he's excited anyway we get we'll take baby i'll give it to him we got it's a 162 game marathon everybody's saying you know they thought the rays were going to go undefeated they'll finish a solid third place in the the division you didn't think they were going to go 162 and oh no they won't 162 now and the Yankees will finish in second behind Toronto get, and get into playoffs and then head lines, to the lines. See how he just takes digs at our producers, Orioles, and all this stuff he does, Jimmy? Oh, he just, these little subtle sly <laughs> no, digs no. Ed takes. Jimmy, you know, I, hey, the, hey, AJ, I, our producer, loves the Orioles. Orioles will probably be, I'm going to say baseball's best, best fourth-place finish team. Wow. Oh, I really think like so. you, you said best first-place team wrong there, Coach. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're, they're going to be probably the best fourth-place team. they got some youngsters, boy, I wish the Yankees would get, but we'll wait till they become free agents because Baltimore can never sign them, don't have the cash hold on. But anyways, this is for Jimmy's time right now. Jimmy, yeah. you've been good? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing great, Ed, doing great. Well, you can I see we miss you in this area because you kept our, our sanity. <laughs> 
Well, it does appear that there might have been some of that lost along the way. Oh, a long time ago we lost that. But it's funny. Yeah. I saw you. I forget if I was filling in for uh, Ted Alexander on the men's side or you were at a women's game recently. It was Breakport of season, and you told me, hey, whenever Ed's gone, I want to come in. And we, you had open invitations there anytime you want. Even when yeah. Ed's here, you can come in and fill in for Ed. But secondly, I'm curious, uh, how did it just come about? Because next thing you know, I didn't even know it. I'm looking on the TV. It might have been one of your sweet 16 games. I'm looking. I'm like, that's Jim. And I texted Ed. I said, that's Jim Corrigan with Virginia Tech now. How did it come about? Yeah, it was it was a really kind of unusual situation. Um, uh, Virginia Tech lost a staff member right before the season started, and there the original thinking was, well, we'll try to make it through the season, you know, without somebody. And then it got to the point where Kenny felt like he just, you know, the way he put it to me was he needed another set of eyes and another set of hands to help out. So, and and I've known Kenny since he, I was a GA at William and Mary when he was playing. Uh, at JMU, and then later on he coached uh, at BMI and JMU on the men's side before he went over to the women's side. So we've known each other, uh, you know, professionally for a long time. So he he called me up, you know, middle of December or somewhere in there and just kind of threw it out. Would I be interested in doing this, you know, kind of on a temporary basis just to get through the season? And uh, I said, sure, absolutely. And uh it ended up working out, and lo and behold, you know, got to go to the Final Four, uh, be a part of a great team. Uh, just, you know, it was just a hell, hell, heck of an experience. What can I say? I, you know, very fortunate. Very, very fortunate. Well, I would imagine it, it might have been was that, that your first Final Four on the coaching side of things, because you've been to a lot of them as a coach, but not coaching in it, right? That's exactly right, and it's a whole different experience when you're with a team that's in it than when you just go there for the convention. And it's interesting because the this was one of those years where I think the women's Final Four was more exciting than the men's in terms of the games we got with Iowa knocking off South Carolina. I know it was a tough comeback loss uh, for you all where LSU came back in the fourth quarter to beat Virginia Tech and then the championship game with Iowa-LSU. I mean, it was exciting action from start to finish. And at what point, Jim, did you know this was a special group with Kenny Brooks and this group at Virginia Tech? I mean, you've got Liz Kitley, Georgia Moore, a bunch of talented players. But at what point did you kind of know this could be a team that makes it all the way to the last four? Well, you know, I knew we were good when I got there, and because uh, I think they were fourteen and one when I when I started, okay. um, maybe twelve and one, something like that. But I knew they were good, and then as the ACC season unfolded, you know, hey, we're pretty good. But the ACC tournament is when we realized, hey, we can we can be really really good on a national level, because um, we went through the ACC tournament. I think we won by twenty six, twenty one, and nine or 10 or something like that. But, but it was a game that we led by, you know, 16 was never in doubt. So when, when we swept the ACC tournament the way we did, that's when we started thinking, you know, this could be a special year. Hey, Jim, how about, you know, for some of the people that uh, may not remember, should, because I know when you, when you left here, we were all extremely disappointed. I thought you brought so much um, to the game and, and your friendship and your knowledge of the game. But when you left Old Dominion, pick us up where you went to there because you did some other coaching. And, in fact, it was on the women's side because I think we had you on at that time and you were telling us about the changeover and how it was going. Yeah, I went from, you know, the men to the women at ODU and did that for four years. And then I went down to Duke for three years and uh, was there when COVID hit. And um, uh, Joanne McCauley, the head coach at Duke at the time, actually resigned in July of the COVID year. Uh, so from there, I went to Ravenscroft School, 
where I, uh, I worked at the school and, and helped coach the boys team. And from there, I went to Northeastern, and I was at Northeastern very briefly. And then I basically came home and retired. And I was kind of, you know, enjoying uh, not being in the rat race a little bit. But this opportunity came up, and, you know, you can't, you can't say no when you get an opportunity like this. And, you know, certainly I'm glad I did. Well, again, first of all, I'm just going to be – say like it is you, you definitely need to stay in the game I think you still have so much to give I don't care whether it's men or women so you, you know basketball and more importantly I just think how you interact with with the youngsters and how you did your recruiting which is what really comes to the surface um, and I think we asked you this before but in in coaching at your level at high level division one men women what what is the biggest maybe one or two things uh, that are out there for for people that always wonder that when guys have done both well, you know, at the, at the end of the day, the game is the same, and it's developing relationships with the players that you're coaching and, and uh, you know, developing them as players, but also as people and, you know, developing their, their competitive instincts and, you know, those kind of things. It's kind of a total package thing, but it's all based on, you know, having, having great relationships with your players. And I think nowhere is that more evident than at Virginia Tech where, where Kenny Brooks the relationships that he has with his players are absolutely incredible. And he gets them to perform at a, a level, you know, higher than you would you would think they would. Yeah, it's interesting watching him. You've worked with some great coaches. You mentioned Coach McCauley, Blaine Tittle. We know here at Old Dominion, and the list goes on and on, different coaches you've worked with in your wealth of years of coaching. Kenny Brooks, what gets me, and Ed and me have talked about this before, Jim, is that he doesn't ever seem to be rattled. They, you could be up 9 or 10. He has the same demeanor. And, and I imagine in practice he's, he's, you see you know, not, not much of a change, right? That's exactly right. And that, that demeanor you know, carries over to the players, and they play that way. Like you rarely see – those players looking rattled on the court no matter what's going on. You know, we, we could be on a 15-point run or we could be on the wrong end of a 15-point run, but you'll, you don't see the demeanor of the players change, and all that comes from, from Kenny at the top. Talking with Jim Corrigan, special assistant this past year at Virginia Tech on the women's side as they made the Final Four. You know him from his years as an assistant with ODU men, was an interim head coach for ODU men, an assistant for ODU women, and also has coached at Duke Northeastern. William & Mary here on 757 Saturday Sports Talk. It is Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. And I've dealt with this on a smaller scale than you all coaching and playing these games, but when you go from the men to the women, you have different times as far as quarters versus halves. You have different rules. I'd say one rule I like that the women have is they can advance the ball late in games unlike the men's game for college. Are you a big fan of that or not so much? Oh, no, I think that's a great rule. I think it's it's like right now, the way things are, every level of basketball in the world plays quarters, plays a shot clock, and, and plays the advanced rule except for men's college basketball. Mm -hmm. And I think you'll see in the next few years the men will eventually get to that as well. Uh, but the advanced rule is is one of the great rules they put in in my coaching lifetime and it used to be you'd have two seconds left and you had to go full court to try to get a shot well now you call timeout advance the ball you're throwing the ball into you know a, a pretty reasonable shot and so you have a chance it, it's more exciting for the fans it's it's great for players and coaches because you're always you always have a chance in in ways that you never did before um so I think it makes the game more exciting. It's, 
It puts more on, on coaches to be prepared for all those different situations. It affects the way you choose to call timeouts, you know, when to use them, that kind of thing. It, it's, but I think it's one of the best rule changes that has come about in my, my lifetime. Definitely adds to the drama and excitement and strategy of the game, Ed. Well, Jim, of course. Absolutely. I, I've got to ask you because it's the talk of, of everything. Portal, transfers, portals, change recruiting. And, of course, the NIL. And the NIL came out big when the girl, women's side because you had the two top dogs in terms of uh, Caitlin Clark and, and Angel Reese saying, we're not going anywhere. They're staying in college. And we find out they're making NIL money bigger and more than the men. So your, your thoughts and processes on the uh, portal and then NIL. Well, the NIL has, has really drastically changed things. And I think on the women's side, one of the reasons it's really made a big impact is you can make more money off of NIL than you can going into the WNBA. Okay. And I think that's part of the reason why Liz Kitley is returning for a fifth year at uh, Virginia Tech. And uh, I think you're going to see that more and more. Uh, until the salaries in the WNBA become, you know, to the point where you, you're not going to do that. You don't see it on the men's side because, you know, if, if you're the fifth pick in the draft, you're going to make, you know, two and a half, three million dollars right out of the gate. And that's not the case in the WNBA right now. So I think that's a big part of it. The portal, the portal's a little different. Uh, you know, the, the portal has changed things basically, and, it, and it's probably, hurt high school kids somewhat because now when you graduate a really good player, you're going to go to the portal to try to replace that player, at least in the short term. And, you know, stay away from the high school kids unless it's absolutely necessary or unless you get a very special player who can just come in and, you know, have a, have an impact right away. And um, I do think there's, you know, the NIL has affected the portal because kids, kids want to transfer for NIL reasons as much as for basketball reasons. So, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a double-edged sword, I think. Uh, and, and you're probably going to see some regulation on both of those areas in the next couple of years once they kind of figure out how to do it. Now, Jim, let me ask you, we know the men's portal is crazy. I haven't kept up much with the women. Is the women the same idea? I know you referenced NIL possibilities. Is the women's portal kind of as big as many players in there, or is that right now more on the men's side? Well, I mean, there's like 1,700 players in the portal on the women's side right now. So it's pretty big. It yeah. is high. It's yes. pretty big. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and players are like Louisville's best player, first team all-conference, honorable mention all-American, has gone into the portal. Okay. And uh, – you, you just normally don't see something like that happening. Uh, I, I don't know why she is. I don't know what the issue is that she feels like she has to leave, but she's had an unbelievable career at Louisville. Oh, yeah, Haley Van Lith, right? Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah. yes. Um, but she's, you know, she's looking for something else, and whether it's NIL money or something else, I don't know. But you just, you know, that, that's kind of a surprising thing as it relates to the portal. You know, Jim, I, I just, again, I don't want to rant, but you're right. Some kind of regulations need to put in because back in the day when kids went into, which was the portal we didn't know about, it was usually because of a, a issue, an issue. It could be negative, whatever, right. want to get closer to home, uh, injury, new coach came in, run some players off. 
you just mentioned exactly what is happening now. Kids are having great years, especially low Division One, Division Two, and it's automatic. Well, I got to go to the portal now because I prove I can play higher level. I need to go play uh, top notch now. Sort of free and, agency now. Yeah, and and they're yeah. jumping in without any idea of of go- where they're going. Which back in the day that didn't happen. Players had an idea when it, where they were going to transfer because there was some talking done ahead of time. I, I I just don't understand why we. I think we got to go back and put the clamps on. Um, you got the city here, but then everybody's going to say, "Well, we let these coaches leave these big contracts and jump around." The players can't. I, I don't know. I, I, and you made a great point. You said as soon as they find out how to control this, some things are going to yeah. change. Because right now they don't know how to do it. Yeah, that's that's absolutely right. It's it's you know once they did the you can play right away thing, it changed everything for everybody. You know, and when when you had to sit out a year. It didn't mean people didn't transfer. It just meant they thought long and hard about it, and they must have had a really good reason to go sit out a year and not play but still transfer. Now somebody's just unhappy with their playing time. They're going to try to transfer. You know. And, and the other thing is the, the smaller schools have now become kind of the minor league Absolutely. developmental teams for the bigger schools. And, uh, uh you know, I, I don't know that that's a healthy thing, but I will say this: there, I just heard recently there there is a school out there that's like a mid major or low major school that part of their recruiting pitch to high school kids is, hey, we've had a a kid go to a power five school the last three years in a row, so if you come here, we'll develop you, and you'll be able to go to a power five school. Jimmy, I know our time's low, but I got to ask you: Are you staying on? Are, are you looking at some other things? Don't tell me you're going back in the, the rocking chair because I'm not going to accept that. I'll be tapping on that window. And, miss, well, and plus, Miss Corgan has got to has got to be going crazy now. She's got to get you out of the house. Yeah, there's no doubt about that, Ed. No, this this uh, situation was was temporary from the start. You know, so I won't be going back. Um, I think it ends in a couple of weeks, and then I'll be coming back to Norfolk. And uh, I don't have a rocking chair but I do have a, a good chair. Uh, but, no, I'd love to coach again and, and uh, you know, not really caught up in level or that kind of thing, but just would love to work with some kids and give back a little bit because, uh, you know, the, the, the sport and the coaching has been really good to me. And uh, if I could give back in some sort of way, I'd love to do that. Well, the bottom line is this. You're too doggone humble as it is. You deserve to be back out there. And I'm not talking assistant position, though. You'd be great at it. Somebody out there, some AD needs to understand, uh, this guy right here can still do it. You have energy. You still know the game. So uh, we're pulling and pushing for him. And if i got to make calls on I'm going to do it, which may hurt you more than help you, because the way I go about <laughs> Don't it Don't make them calls. They'll say yeah, stop calling. I, I'm not real, real um, easy on some things. But, no, Jimmy, in all seriousness, yeah, we wish you to get back in because – you have so much to give the game, and, and your approach with kids is tremendous, and that's what we need. We've got too many nut jobs coaching who should be out. You need to be in. Well, I appreciate that, Ed. And I, and I also know that if you were to make a call, it would only be one call because they wouldn't be able to get you off the phone until they said yes. So. Got that right. Exactly you right. nailed that. Yeah. Exactly right. And don't let you know, them make. So if you want to make that call, you go right ahead. Just let me know where I'm going. Okay? All right. I can do that. And I can make one call. I got two uncles that live in Sicily. They said, anytime you oh. need us, make a call. So if I got to make that call to get it, I'll do whatever I got to do. Well, Coach, the invite right. remains uh, intact. You can come in anytime you like, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk again soon. 
All right. I appreciate it. You guys have a great day. You too. That is the one and only Jim Corgan with us here. He's a longtime coach, Old Dominion, of course. He was at Duke, his alma mater there for a brief while, and now most recently at Virginia Tech with the women's side. We're going to take the pause button. A guy who's also hitting the pause button, Danny Dodson, Woodside Wolverines. It's coming up next on 94.1. Hampton Roads has a long-running high school and college sports tradition. It's time to give them the spotlight they deserve. This is 757 Saturday Sports Talk on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Here are Matt Hatfield and Coach Ed Young. All right, it is 757 Saturday Sports Talk here on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1 with the coach Ed Young. I am Matt Hatfield. I think I provided a wrong <laughs> digit for the last guest, so we will get that over to AJ on the other side of the glass here momentarily so we can hopefully connect with Danny Dodson, the longtime head football coach of the Woodside Wolverines, who is stepping down. You just heard from Jim Corrigan, special assistant at Virginia Tech on the women's basketball side of things, and Will Driscoll, Virginia Sports Hall of Fame executive director. If you missed any of that, it'll be up on our podcast page later here on our website, which you can still find at the URL of ESPNRadio941.com. Go check out the podcast page. Hit that 757 sports button, and away you go. Sort of like you can probably add it to your bookmarks, your favorites, your likes. You know, like they do on YouTube, smash the subscribe button. Ed does that all the time, right? You smash subscribe button. Isn't that right? And what you do? No, I don't. I don't subscribe. If it costs money, it's not for me. Remember, my two favorites. No, it's are free. You don't free, have to pay for it. Free, free, and Clarence are my two best. What about Saley? Is that third? Saley is in there too. Uh, I, that, those are my name brands, Clarence and well, Saley. I feel privileged because we don't have to pay a dime to get this next special guest on. He's worth an awful lot of money. Longtime head football coach of the Woodside Wolverines. He got it all started back in the day when he was a three-time letter winner as a defensive back at William and Mary in the late '80s. Went on to. Played football there and um, became an assistant football coach at the Apprentice School, was D coordinator at Ferguson High, and then at Woodside High School in Newport News the last 24 seasons, 158 wins, and he has put together a heck of a career. We know it's not the end of him, but he is hitting the pause button. Danny Dodson with us here. Coach, congrats on a great run, but we know it's not over permanently, just temporarily. How you doing? I'm doing good. How you doing? We're doing well. We're glad to have you on the show. But we're also sad that you're leaving the sidelines of Woodside High, where you've graced for many a years. You've had some memorable wins, such as snapping that Phoebus 52-game winning streak, some great playoff runs. And uh, what made you say now is the time to step aside? Well, you know, it, it was a tough decision. But uh, I think in the last few years, uh, you know, I've noticed that, that the excitement wasn't there as, as much as it had been years past. I think this year – uh, you know, usually after the season's over with, um, you know, take a little break. And then around the first of the year, we get started in the weight room. And I'm going to start to get excited and cranked up. But, you know, I was, just wasn't feeling it. And, uh, you know, we waited to February. It's the first time we waited that long to get things started. And and as I continue to go along, it just I just didn't feel like I had the excitement at this point. And uh, thought that, you know, if, if I can't be all in and, and give all the kids my best, um, it's better to step away from it for a while. I'll let my cohort, Ed Young, jump in here in a second, but one of the things I've gotten from a number of coaches that have decided to step aside now, be it football, be it basketball, and there's a list of them here, since the pandemic is things have changed in a lot of respects. How we go about our life, uh, some of the daily regimens with the sports. Not that sports have entirely changed, but have you since the pandemic been having this, I guess, feeling in your gut or kind of swell up slowly but strongly like maybe a little bit of a break would help here and I'll get back in it at some point? Has that been part of this process in your eyes? 
I think so. You know, the, the pandemic time was stressful on all of us. I, you know, I've talked to a lot of coaches, and, you know, that, that first, I guess, we went in the spring before that, you know, we couldn't see our kids. We, we, we didn't see our kids at Woodside from March the 13th, I guess, 2020, until, I guess, February the 7th or 8th of 2021 so you know we almost want to hold you without seeing kids i know for us i think that that whole stretch there really affected the culture that we had built there over you know the 20 years prior to that and uh you know then of course and going through that spring season even the fall the following year or that following season um you know you looked at things and and you know you're always wondering when you're going to get shut down uh you'd have a good practice the next day somebody come in and say somebody's brother's sister got covid and then you gotta you know you gotta shut down for a while and it just all that kind of stuff became real real stressful so i think you know losing the culture and then the stress of just not knowing what's going to happen i know it wore on me and i'm sure it did a lot of other guys danny uh, you know i'm gonna give you a pass here because when Matt told me you were stepping down. I started to go off because, I once again, I'm tired of losing good people. Uh, I don't mind the guys who don't deserve to be coaching stepping aside. But when we're losing people that are in it for the right reason, who are productive, who have helped tremendous amount of kids that people won't even know, I get a little perturbed. But you are doing it for the right reason, and I'm listening intently to you because – I've got less days in front of me than behind me also. I still have the juice for it, still enjoy it, still like competing. Um, but I know my time draws near because I don't want to hang on. And it is, a, I always say, you know, sometimes it's better for the younger ones to take over, not necessarily the smarter ones, but younger ones to take over. But, um, and, I, and I'm listening, Danny, to your voice, and I can tell you had trouble with this. You still are thinking, oh, dang, did I do the right thing? I hear it in your voice. And um, and you're right on. You need that break, and, uh, you know, I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, I think, uh, yeah, and, and, you know, uh, you got to – it's it's a year-round commitment when you coach football or basketball. I don't – you know, some other sports, maybe not as much. I don't know. But I know it's just a year-round co- commitment. And, uh, you know, again, I've loved it for all this time. And I, I want to get back. I do. Um I just know right now I just need a break away, especially in the head coaching part of it. You know, I I wouldn't mind being an assistant for somebody. And you know, I've had a couple of people offer me uh, opportunities, and I'm I'm going to look at those pretty heavily. But uh, you know, I just I just felt like getting away from it, at least on the uh, head coaching realm was best for me right now, and hopefully that'll extend my career a little bit later on. Now, are you are you are you te- do you teach at Woodside? I do. Yes. So you're going to keep that going. Yes, as far as far as I know, you know, I sometimes they'll move you out of building. Some, you know, when when head coaches leave, I don't know what'll happen, but I've been told I, you know, I can stay, and that's my plan right now. Okay, and I was going to ask you now, you know, being the veteran and the winner that you are, and the closeness that you have, would you step into an assistant role with somebody, help out somewhere, maybe, maybe even the possibility of helping at a college program. Uh, where maybe your time commitment wouldn't be as big if they would allow you that. But you are but you already answered that. You said you're kind of looking at a few things. Now, I'm going to assume you sat down, had a long talk with the uh, family? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've talked to my family. You know, uh, I've been, you know, we've been discussing this. My wife told me a couple of years ago that she could just see that, you know, some of the frustration I felt throughout that, that COVID time and everything. And she, uh, she encouraged me to do what I want to do, but, 
he's uh he he was he was right you know I was the frustration was building up and there's times I wasn't sleeping like I probably should have and it just you know it it was a good thing and I I think uh, everybody agrees it's good for me to step away for now. I mean, because that's big too. You got to have especially your wife's support because she's going to feel the brunt of this too because you're going to be home a little bit more if you don't take on something else. <laughs> she might be like wondering, what are you doing here? Or she might have a honey-do list that you're going to say, wait a minute, i got to get back to coaching. Oh, she's it's, already got that list. Yeah, I'm see, I figured that. He's she, working on it right now, in fact. Yeah, she, she's gonna, she might be saying, you know what, I have second thoughts. You need to get another coaching job. You never know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I said, I I see myself doing something next fall. I, I do. I I don't think I can get completely away from it. But uh, like I say, the the head coaching part. Uh, there's a lot of stuff to it that uh, that people don't realize. Uh, that uh, I just need to get away from it. I just just coach and enjoy it for a while. We always tell coaches to get out of it for a bit, like uh, people you know, good friends of yours, Darnell Moore, Tommy Riemann, who's back in it as the head coach at Denver. You always have an invitation on this show to talk some football with us, and we've got a few more minutes with here with the guy that was dubbed the Wizard of Woodside by Dominic Velarde on the scoreboard show. That is Danny Dodson here with us on 757 Saturday Sports Talk on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. I want to know real quickly before I kick it back to Eddie here, Danny, what is the thing you're most, or things you're most satisfied at your time at Woodside? I mean, a lot of coaches send players to the next level. They win championships. They do this. You, you run a good program. What are you most satisfied about your long run here, 24 years, where we think, and I think Ed will echo this, you've run a clean program and done it the right way? Well, I think that you just said it. You know, I I think we've done a pretty good job. You know, we, we never did win a state championship in football. You know, never really won a region championship. We got there a few times, and, you know, that's disappointing. But I think uh, at the end of the day, I know that, that we, we – uh, when we did things the right way, uh, we didn't cheat. We didn't recruit other people's players. We just uh, we did the best we could of what we had, and uh, I'm proud of that. Yeah, and I think, you know, he's had some numerous moments that would stand out. What's pretty cool about over there in the PD, you guys developed when Hampton and Phoebus both were at their peak, and you had some, some couple of games where you knocked off, you know, Mike Smith's Crabbers, the late, great Bill D's Phantoms, Jeremy Blunt's Phantoms now have won back-to-back state titles. I mean, going in the PD week in and week out, whether it's a Thursday night, a Friday, a Saturday at Darling or Todd's Stadium, it's no picnic. No, it's not. And, uh, you know, that, that first win against Hampton back in 2002 was, was uh, a phenomenal experience. And, uh, you know, that, that's, that'll, that'll be in my mind forever. Um, and I don't think anybody would have expected that to happen. And that team was pretty, pretty doggone good. So, uh, you know, looking back at it, yeah, we should have won that game. But at the time, it was, it was a tremendous honor to beat those guys. Yeah, for sure, Ed. Now, Danny, you're, you're taking this step aside, and I, I, there's two things I want to ask you. The first one is, though, um, maybe outside of doing some coaching, is there anything – I always get asked this question, hobbies. Like, what, if you, Ed, if you weren't coaching, what would you be doing? Of course, I tell them I'd be watching on TV and coaching those two teams, uh, those coaches' players. I mean, what, what would you do outside of coaching? Maybe that you could pick up a little bit more. You know, it's funny. During the pandemic, I was bored out of my mind, and uh, – Started. Uh, I had a '99 Honda Accord sitting in the driveway. It had peeling paint and stuff on it, and peeling clear coat. And I decided I wanted to try to paint it. And uh, I got uh, started looking some stuff on up on the internet. And my uncle does that work in Bluefield, West Virginia. And then Mike Talon, who coached our girls basketball team for years, he's done a little bit of it. So I got with him, and I, I painted that car. And I tell you what, I liked it. I painted probably three other vehicles since then and i enjoy doing that it's uh 
it, there's something satisfying about it. I'm not sure what it is, but I enjoy it. Well, see, no, that's the difference between me and you. I did that too, but I was told you cannot paint a car with a paintbrush and a can of paint. <laughs> so I had to put that hobby away, so that was gone. I got more paint on the driveway than I did the car. Um, but, Danny, also, you mentioned Mike Talon. That brought me another question other than the other one I was going to ask you. Did you did you talk to some some people, some close friends that have stepped aside maybe in, in football or in another sport and got their perspective on how they handled retirement and how their decision process went? You know, I've, I've talked to Mike, not necessarily about that, but, you know, I, I knew, you know, when he stepped aside what his deal was. And, and I talked to Al Dorner when he, when he resigned as the athletic director at Woodside and, you know, and he and I talked a long time ago when he got got uh, done with coaching track and uh, became athletic director. I remember him saying, "You'll know when it's time." And uh, I, I think you know it was time for me. Um, but both of those guys have been uh, you know, tr- giving me tremendous input. And I even talked to Tommy Reeman last year after he had made his decision, and and, and Luke Johnston and all those guys, and then. It helped me in uh, knowing what and how to do it. Well, and the last thing I'm going to ask you is you mentioned earlier, and it hit me, pandemic. It did change the world. I remember the same thing you did. You, we couldn't see our players. It brought out, and I'm, I've said this on, on the air before, and I don't have any um, hidden agendas not to say it because I think we need to attack this. It brought out depression in me. I found, I, even though I, I teach about depression, I actually started going through it real live depression and i'm like wow i didn't have anything a team to coach i didn't want to go anywhere i was just kind of wallowing a little bit in self-pity and i just my mind was all over the place until i had some close friends get me out of the gutter so to speak and 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 of course when we got the chance to come back when you went through that depression the the idea i'm not saying depression but when you went through that pandemic how did that change your mindset uh, in terms of the decision you're making now you know, I don't know. I, I think, you know, I tried to handle, like I said, I had tried to handle it by finding other things to do. Uh, like I said, painting cars. I started door dashing, trying to make a little extra money, just doing something to keep me busy. Um, I think that, um, you know, again, I think that that time just, it was, it was very, very, it was hard to, um, I guess it was hard to get back at it after the pandemic because everything had changed so much and the way you can handle things. Uh, the way you handle kids had to change a little bit. And uh, all that, uh, you know, was tough. Yeah, it was never easy, but we're glad that we're we're out of, we're in a better place and out of that time frame where it was uh, doom and gloom, if you will. And uh, Al Dorner did well. He picked Mike Talon. He picked Danny Dodson, who did well as well as the head coach of the Woodside Wolverines. 24 seasons at the helm there, 158 wins and a lot of great memories and moments. And we thank you so much for your uh, time over the years and your friendship. And we look forward to following what's next for you, whether it be painting Ed's car in the future or coaching football on the sidelines <laughs> on an assistant role. I do uh, need to paint it. There I you go. Re- Maybe we can work that out. For, give, him a, give him a large bill there, Danny. But uh, have a good one, and we'll talk again soon. All right, thanks so much. Hey, Danny, Appreciate best it. of luck to you, but we will be talking to you and announcing your new job in a year or two, so uh, we got <laughs> Okay, that. sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> Take care, Coach. That is the one and only right, Danny Dodson, the uh, Wizard of Woodside, as Dominic once called him, here on 757 Saturday Sports Talk. Hour two's coming up right after AJ's update. It's all coming your way on Ed Young's favorite radio station. Don't butcher it. Get it right. I'll get this right because it's the easiest thing in the world, priority. Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Who can mess that up? Congratulations.